you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. You all set? I think I am, yes. Let me just get, as usual, I try to turn off everything but what we're doing so that uh, any net or computer exposure. Let's see, I don't that's... Okay. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. The unfairness is I was talking to somebody the other day with spectrum, just like me. And they're like, Oh yeah, they finally upgraded me above one gig above just fiber levels. I'm like, shut up. And like, why, what do you have? And I'm like, I'm lucky if I get 350 megabits a second, that's like, I'm paying the most I can to get just that much. I'm like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I've been with AT&T with, for, with fiber with Fios for a while and just saw that Verizon is now offering two gig fiber and I have no loyalty. You know what I mean? AT&T has been just fine. And I guess I might stick with them because they also give me one of those things, maybe free HBO or something like that. But I already use Verizon for our uh, uh, cell phones and stuff like that. So having it be all in one bundle, don't know if I get a bundling price. And I don't know, am I going to make a decision on my internet connection speed based on, oh, I get one more channel. Do you know what I mean? The good news is it's only $10 a month for only three months, but then after that, it goes up to twice as much. Every trick they can find, you know, I don't know, this is going to be an ongoing subject of conversation that there's no true capitalism left in this country where it's, you get all the information you need to compare between parties based on price and utility and all, and make a choice that instead everything they possibly can do to obscure things, to make it, there's tying agreements, you know, straight out of like antitrust legislation from the early 20th century. Every company is trying to do what they can to make it that you don't have true mobility when you want to change to another provider, true, a full information when you, uh, Everything I've been doing with travel lately, Lena and I are now retired. We're looking forward to all kinds of fun travel. What a swamp the world of travel aggregators has become. That The first ones that came out, probably Kayak or Priceline, were all about, hey, consumer, we're going to do all this negotiation so that you'll get the best price. And then as they got acquired by other places or where they started to make deals behind the scenes, you found out that, no, you're seeing better prices for a certain airline because they've got it uh Kind of like a car dealer where they're going to push, yeah, I don't know, more of a certain brand because the salesman gets a little spliff, $100 for selling you out. And I'm seeing evidence of that everywhere that I go now. And that it's not get you a good price on the airfare. It's that once they have you, then it's all the add-ons. Then it's all the, we can make money off of offering you a hotel or a car or a spa trip or whatever else it might be. It's all the sneakiness and it's all not one big sheet where you can compare between the things. There's all the things where this includes that, but this doesn't include that, but includes another thing. And you just click, I'm going to do the best I can and then stop looking because then it's galling to say, oh, the price just fell by $10, $80, whatever else it might be. And some places offer that as a service that you have price protection, but the initial price is higher. So then you're the risk that they take on for how they're going to see fuel costs go up or personnel costs or whatever. Now you're sharing that risk. It's everywhere. It's every freaking where. So, All I'm going to say is two words, Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why people get so desperate, because that's one of the few times where I'm really here and I see that thing in front of me for this price. And they're hoping that it's not a broken one that they reboxed or there's all kinds of things that only $50 for this TV. That's normally 1200. Of course, we only have one in the entire store (laughs) and our employees kept it back for themselves anyway. You know, I mean, (laughs) that's, it's kind of funny. Once in a while, I post a little thing as a real triumph. I just have a silly post. I like long sleeve t-shirts and my wife had been finding them at a local store marks where she was getting them. They were like slightly irregular and they were like three or five bucks. And you know, concert t-shirts and things like that nowadays, they go for 25, 30 bucks. Oh, they're so like up to 35, 40. I see a logo list, 
but fits me well. And if anything, already I'm a tough fit because I'm this big guy. I'm a moose size. So if you're looking for 3X, automatically you're getting that even on regular sites. They'll juice it a little bit, an extra buck, because it doesn't cost them more to produce that, but they have to keep different numbers in inventory compared to standard medium for America, that kind of stuff. So having said that, she found great quality t-shirts, not irregulars, but real ones, variety of colors for eight bucks a pop. And it's Gildan, which I'm pretty sure is a Chinese company, but there didn't seem to be any other this cheap. And then they get you on the shipping and handling. Then they, it really seemed to just be a deal. And in the tech field, often you'll find that you really can compare between all the different hard drives that are out there and who's got good ratings. And then you go to a place and Amazon or whatever else, uh, B&H Photo, for whatever reason, one of those, you know, there's certain vendors that have just become known for, wow, they really play the game fair. And so I can find that new monitor, new hard drive, whatever else it might be, and be satisfied that I didn't get rooked somehow. But that's not, you would think in this era of, you should be able to find it all out on the net, that there'd be certain players, that's, that's their competitive advantage. I knew a great guy named Gary, who was uh, owned a consulting firm that was adjacent to what I was doing. And he often said, you know, my competitive advantage is just telling the truth. Just if I say yes, I do yes, I don't do no. And it's amazing, even in his field, how much chicanery, how much loss leader, you show a good guy, but then you supply a different one. You The negotiating tactics were, I'm not going to negotiate based on what's the characteristics of this person and what they're worth. Hey, if I give you some Bulls tickets, this was in Chicago, uh, cut me a deal. Oh my God. It just was never ending the stories that he had of the kind of competition that he had to deal with that wasn't anything to do on what's the value of the thing I'm offering and is it at a fair price? I've seen it <laughs> with companies where I'm like, look, this is this big of a project, it's going to take this much, or even I'm working with this API that I've not worked with before. I can figure it out. I've done it before. That's how tech happens, but I don't know it at the moment. So I don't know if it's going to be a week project or a three-week project. They, you know, right. yeah, I'm just telling you, oh, this other guy said that they can do all of this and get it done in three days and blah, blah, blah. And they're, you know, can you beat that price? Give me a little bit to look because I got to try and figure out what my time's going to be. Oh, we right. don't have that time. We'll go with this guy. Months later, hey, are you still willing to do that? Because we've spent months with this guy that lied to us, that doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, I had quite a career in Chicago, not only doing interesting projects that were new, but fixing things that other people had screwed up, maybe even fraudulently said they could do when they couldn't. You know what I mean? There really is something about people of quality will rise to the surface, but there's it's so easy to provide disinformation nowadays that it takes a while to have that done. And often then they're like, they're desperate or they're angry or well, funds for that year have been exhausted. And I just, I have always tried to be there. You know, I think I've mentioned the repairman Jack books by F. Paul Wilson. And a mantra of his is give value for value. You know, if I'm going to do this service for you, I'm going to get paid fairly what it's worth. And it might be that you don't want to pay that much. And then you get to go check the rest of the market and see who's going to mess with you, fool with you, actively hold you, hold it against you that you're desperate. And, and in that case, I don't know if I call it a competitive advantage, but it just was how many people, same as me, as if I'm a superhero, came back to him because he was the guy with integrity that they didn't. Oh, yeah. it, there, it is worth sometimes I tend to be relatively agnostic about price. I will go everywhere, anywhere to get the right deal. But when you see that in a place like car repairs, that there really are a whole bunch of fly-by-night places and there are people that stand by their work, I tend to be less price sensitive and more about, really, I can call Ron and he will take care of this for me. And I, I don't want to stray and spend a certain amount of time finding out once again that I've been disappointed after a while, you're just like, as long as Ron is there and Ron's the guy in charge of this project and Ron's taking care of me, I'm willing, he's my competitive advantage in finding. That's a rare uh, thought today though. And as far as car repairs go, <laughs> if you want to use your buddy who knows what he's doing or the auto mechanic, that'll give you a great deal. Go watch some of the videos online of cars that have gone into mechanics and the problems <laughs> they've had. When I had my BMW, my cousin kept saying, oh, I'll help you change your brakes. I've done that before. I said, have you done it in a BMW? Well, no, it's just brakes. 
No, it's not. No. You don't even know what you don't know. <laughs> and I would be just as stupid to let you do that because I would end up with problems because you're when you get that type of car, you're buying into the, I'm kind of stuck with their repairs and their stuff because it's certain ways, but it's not because they're, yes, I arguably part, some of it is because they want to lock you in and they want to get that extra money. I agree right. with that, but it's also the car drives amazing. And the reason it drives amazing is because they have everything exactly how they want it. It's very Apple like in that regard. You, know? you can tune it for best performance, but they have to know what they're doing to get to there. You know yeah. what I mean? Apple has often compared itself to BMW that if you're willing to pay a little more money. You'll get a much better experience. Right. And there are some people that they won't pay 10% more to get something twice as good. They just won't pay 10% more no matter what. They want right. the and not inexpensive, then it's cheap. Then it's, you know what I mean? There's a difference between why something is a lower price or not. And I'll also say this, this is kind of sad. So we, Ron is at Conrad's. He's, they're all over the Cleveland area. I do, did not know them before coming from Chicago. So it's like, wonderful, Colleen, that you had this good relationship. And then unfortunately, after one pretty standard stuff, they forgot to put the oil cap back on. And she was a couple miles down the road, oil light goes off. And the thing was, nothing got damaged physically but what got damaged was i just wanted to depend on you guys and know that you always do the right thing but you're not perfect one of your technicians was lazy unthinking whatever happened but that's a terrible you know you can put somebody in a bad situation thank god it was only oil what if it was brakes what if it was i just they stole my wow i don't have to resolve this problem each time got re confident so, so in what them. was the consequences what ended up happening what'd she do what'd they do she Called Conrad's. They said, you know, you should be able to make it back. It, in other words, the car wasn't seizing up. It wasn't no oil and it wasn't leaking out. It was like whatever could slosh out. And it's kind of funny. The light didn't immediately go on, but somehow oil was getting out as oil gets hot. It, I don't think it boils out, but just from yeah. driving, it wasn't. And I would have thought he would have a little sensor that right when he turned the car and it would have said, oil cap is a jar. It's Some plastic. You can't detect plastic easily. <laughs> So luckily, she was able to go back and they, of course, checked the oil level, made sure it was okay, put the cap on, you know what I mean? Because it was not with her. It was there. They had to find the oil cap and it was like, just I don't think it was even on the ground. It was like sitting over where he had put it and et cetera. So they really fell all over themselves to make it right. And, and kind of funny, it's, I don't know that we really do this, but Conrad's has been good to us in lots of different ways. They do price matching. So when I find tires online or at costco or something like that if i can have them either done by them or delivered to there they will still do them we i read continually from consumer reports that independent car repair places are almost always just as competent depending on what they specialize in and lesser priced and so forth and that going back to a dealer is the worst thing you can do and then going to chain type places is the second worst and so we've occasionally done that. When you get your car for the first 30,000 miles under warranty, you get into the habit of taking it back, in our case, to the Toyota dealer because we have Priuses. When you get to that 30,001 point, you're like, okay, where am I going to go now? And at one point, for instance, we had cars old enough, my Infinity, that it needed a new muffler. And I took it to the Infinity dealer. And honestly, it was like $1,000. That's not what a muffler costs. But they had it where if you replace that, you have to replace the entire uh, uh, not combustion, uh, exhaust system, let's yeah. call it, right? And so, so I don't think all that's rotted out. It's just the muffler. So they have a place called literally Affordable Muffler that's right on Detroit. And it's one of those places where they can get the correct parts, but they don't take it all off. They literally like, they got the guys with the torches that'll cut this off, put this in place, weld it on, and it, has, it lasted all the rest of the life of my infinity. So you get into that, wow, I don't want to take on risk. Wow, 10 to 1? I'll take that risk. You know what I mean? A hundred versus a thousand dollars. Yeah, like yeah. You could do it <laughs> five more times and still save money. And that's a good way to look at it. And if it would have been that I pull away and then in a month it's again, well, they really don't Learned know what lesson. they're doing. And so I gave it one shot and it cost me a hundred dollars to find that out. And that's I philosophically how I deal with it, of course, is it cost me a little bit of money to find out, but now I know. And so it was kind of worth that investment to right. not wonder whether I could have gotten a better deal. Now I know I can or I can't. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, I told you I'm segueing, but I got a question. Please do. Conrad's. Did you yes. go back to him after that? Did you? 
Uh, we did. Yes, we, did. We, after they had really done well to make it right, and she had a long-time relationship with Ron, and it was like she wanted to try them again, and we have had relatively good luck. Only recently did we have, once again, things where we weren't satisfied with their service, so we've actually there's a place called Bruce's Automotive that is an independent that we tried, and we gave each of them, each of our cars took there, and they did fine. So maybe we're going to switch, but I'm not sure if they do everything that Conrad's does and and we're it's another experiment another thing of let's try capitalism but overall <laughs> conduct so, is just fine so that's my, not for you <laughs> i have a situation that's come about that i'm sure you're not aware of because you're not in that circle but okay. it brings back to things we've talked about what we just discussed right now and the issue itself to me is just a small thing the bigger issue connected to it is really what I have gotten a little worked up about. So let me give you the situation and I'm going to name drop, not because I'm trying to make anybody feel bad, make any or get anybody in trouble. I'm not displaying anything that others don't know. This is out there. It's so I'm just saying the names, but I know one of the people involved, which is why it's a little different. So I mentioned before on the show, J.D. Barker, uh, he's an author. He's worked with Patterson. He did the podcast with my friend Jay, who no longer does the podcast with him and Zach. Neither of them do the podcast for reasons of their own. Um, uh, I've met J.D. I've talked with him. He worked with Daker to do the Dracul thing, all the Patterson stuff. Okay, so J.D. Okay. is a very driven individual. He made the decision. He wanted to be a bestseller, and that's been the only thing he's focused on. Part of the reason he's that way is because clear back earlier in life, he was diagnosed with Asperger's, uh, a form of autism. They don't even call it Asperger's anymore, but okay. people will know what I'm talking about. So okay. this is lots of people have this. We know many people that have varying levels. We're along the spectrum this. in variations on the yeah. theme. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And he always says his superpower. And one of the things that this gives him that he embraced was that ability to focus single-mindedly on one thing exclusive to all else. Okay. That sounds great. And that is good. That achieves your goal. But the problem is there's a lot of social inequities associated also with that type of personality. There's okay. some narcissism and self-centeredness associated with it, but it's mostly because, and I described my father this way, that it's like there's a bubble and they don't understand and see anything that exists outside the bubble, only the things that involve them that they're interested in and are the things in the bubble. And that's all that matters. Right. Case in point, my father, my mother was a nurse. She wore her uniform, her whole career, white uniform, but started to get harder to order them. So she would lay them out to dry. Well, one day she washed all her uniforms and had them laying on the couch, the chair and all that. He came in from the garden, all sweaty and stuff, sat down right on top of one of them. And people are like, oh my God, did you kill him? No, because my mother just wouldn't do that, though. She might have, she should have maybe, but shrieked I, a little bit maybe when she discovered yes, it. But okay, okay. I definitely came to realize later in life, and I'll thank Gina for helping me open my eyes to this that my father had some form of being on the spectrum autism, Asperger's, okay. something. And he, he wasn't because, malicious about those things. He just was unaware. And sometimes it, you can't distinguish between that easily. It, it literally is like a filter. He didn't even see the white things because he was so focused and concentrated on his garden. Sounds very self-centered, but it's how the brain's wired. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I say all of that because Gina helped me realize that. And I actually understood my father better. And I think I had a bit of a better relationship with my father because I understood his actions. And Got that's, it. you'll talk to many people that have someone with some spectrum disorder and they, it, you have to understand that person. They're not doing it to be mean, malicious or this, that, or the other thing, but people outside of that don't get it. And you have that meet our culture nowadays and there's problems no matter how much we say we're accepting so here's the problem jd ran into okay he's got a new book coming out thriller book but this one he said is a little racy it's got a little more erotic type elements to it which okay. makes sense he is focused on writing thrillers because that's what sells the best he worked with patterson because patterson's the best 
And what else sells? Sex sells that people buy. You know, why do women read 3 million Harlequin and rom-coms and all that? Exactly. Yes. Now, they're they're suggestively racist. We know they had sex. We don't see it. That There's different types and levels. The spectrum, if you will, also of the hardness of the existence of those kinds of things. Exactly. Poor things would not be shown on Hallmark Channel. <laughs> like that. And yet there's nothing wrong with it, depending on what, when you know what you're getting into. Yes. You don't want to be, it isn't that people don't think sex is fun. It's just they don't want to be shocked by it when they don't expect it in a certain right. place. Or And maybe some people really are prudes and that just shouldn't be. Like, exactly. wow, the human race at 7 billion people would say, yeah, it should be. <laughs> but it's been a part of our culture. It's be it gets used to sell how many items? Now, are we seeing naked bodies all the time on TV? No. Are we seeing more flesh than we did in the 80s, 60s, 50s? Absolutely. It does change and progress. I'll give it that. So here's where I'm leading up to all of this is that he wanted to advertise his new book, and he's been trying for years to break into book talk, which is TikTok subgenre, people review books and all that. So okay. They found he he created a PR firm with the sole intent of helping JD do advertising on Book Talk, but he also offers it as a service to other authors. That makes sense. And I think he didn't run it wholly himself, but he's got the autistic spectrum and he needs to do everything himself and control it. That little bit of narcissism in there. So he mostly controlled it. So what happened was a thing went out to book talkers to get them to uh, um, advertise his book and they would pay for it that he wanted to review the content and they would pay anywhere from a hundred to $1,200 depending on what the content was and what the review was like and all that. So he was kind of paying for the review, but, but automatically that raises a little bit of hackles of that doesn't make it unbiased. That makes it that somebody's got a stake. Exactly. The, but he okay. was doing it more as advertising and marketing, not so much as, oh, look at all these great reviews. It was to market the book. He had suggested on this paper, I'll say on this paper, not he, on this paper that they sent email was suggestions for this new book, this racy thriller. One of them was... Oh, if you're a good looking woman, we could have the camera pan up your body and your body's only covered by the book. He sent this got sent out to book talkers, mostly 20 ish year old young women. Uh, and good looking. Kaboom. Some TikToker got a hold of this, put it out there that he's a disgusting pervert, that he needs to be gone away and everybody needs to take up their pitchforks and flamethrowers and attack JD and make his life miserable and everybody return your books and refuse to shop at Barnes and Noble if they carry any of his books. Now, only this one is racy, the rest aren't. But if you care, we don't want to deal with and boycott wow. and just just all this stuff <laughs> on and on that basically what a subtle seasoned reaction. <laughs> exactly. So oh, God. Uh, Okay. I know a lot of the authors I deal with know JD personally to one degree or another. I've sat at breakfast with the man multiple times, which is why I explained him before I started all of this. Sure. He honestly tried to apologize. He said, whoa, 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 hold on. Sorry, this was a mistake. It shouldn't have been like that. Yes, we did send that out, but it was only supposed to go to a few certain book talkers who do that type of thing anyway, and not everybody, but he subcontracted it to another PR firm who made the mistake of sending it to their complete list of thousands. Exactly. It was only supposed to go to a couple and nobody cared. Nobody listened. They all attacked him anyway, told him he's just trying to get out of it. He blah, 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 blah. So there's so much to unpack with this. There's so many things. Was he wrong? I don't care if he wrote it. I don't care if he didn't write it and didn't send it. It was about his book. It was about his PR firm. Ultimately, he is responsible. And I would bet he saw it more than not. Did the PR firm maybe mess up and screw it up? Yeah, that could be a possibility, but I don't know for sure. 
Do I honestly believe JD is a pervert and that should be like taken to court and should listed a sex offender and everybody should stop buying his books and no, because folks, he made a mistake and he tried to apologize for it, but it's America folks. You're not allowed to make a mistake and you are guilty until proven innocent. Isn't that how we are? Everybody's perfect that attacks somebody else because that person's in the wrong. None of these people know him and they're saying all this stuff about him. What if I did that to you? I could put with deep fakes, with everything else. All you got to do is start a rumor on Facebook. That's that book talker who attacked him originally. Oh, you know what? She's been uh, having sex with kittens and they found (laughs) bodies in her basement. And she actually belongs to this cult worshiping up in Canada. You could say all this stuff and just get people to start spreading it. And because you said it, now it's the truth. What problems would she have? And it'd be very easy to never be able to figure out who originally said that. So, so much to unpack. There's the story. What's your thoughts? <laughs> you might have a couple. So, yeah, as you like, we've already seen many incidents and talked about this a little bit. And I don't think it's not it's not going to stop. The um one sweeping statement is. I don't think that anybody really believes in freedom of speech. They want to be the judges of what gets censored. Yeah. And so whether it's red or blue, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, there's just different things that they find really objectionable. And some of them probably really are more harmful to society than others. But finding which things are the most objectionable to you, it isn't hard to separate that from the person saying it because most of those things don't stand alone as incest is always bad but maybe certain trigger words nowadays they're not incest they're not that sense of proportion that says this really not only is bad but shouldn't even be allowed to exist that's an enormous step to take and when i say enormous i mean it in the classic sense of hugely evil It isn't just really big. It really means what I just said. And so when I see that kind of the crusaders, it's difficult to think of them as perfect people. And it's difficult to have things not being judged. It's kind of, let's use the word spectrum 10 times today. There's the spectrum of whether something is inherently objectionable or whether it's only objectionable in context or for various different people. And so we just had, again, not really to comment on it, except that it exists, We just had the president of Harvard resign because she made a statement about whether being anti-Semitic was ever always bad or whether you had to know the context of it as to whether how it was being presented, if you will. And I really do think that anti-Semitism is a terrible thing and a huge problem in the world and that a lot of people are so willing to embrace it. But her reason i'm good with jewish it's just the lithuanians that i don't care for that's you know it's the portuguese it's the you can just fill in the blank with whoever you would decide you want to hate and yet it wasn't only what she said it was the incredible overreaction of it wow she was good enough to have risen up through the ranks and become president of harvard which you have to have a lot of academic credential and a lot of um social skills in order to be able to have done that but that whenever you see that kind of pack of hounds start baying about what's got to happen whether it's from the red or the blue whether it's from one side or the other that outrage machine so quickly spins out of control it hurts me to think of how many people that still have a lot to offer the world that they shouldn't be automatically the pariah the person driven from the bounds of the town because that single act it isn't to be compared with everything else they've done in their life, everything else they've ever said or written or their relationships they might have with other people. It's our Something system. They, of- they tweeted 12 years ago. We should not allow them to do anything in their life again. Exactly. A little bit of what you said. When things are said in, not even in confidence, but just in private, I make all kinds of jokes. And I'm sure that if ever my... I just picked on Lithuanians because you're, and I did it because I knew the minority. I'm sure that I've said, and not only now where I pretty much am really careful about what I say, but good Lord, back when I was in college, back when I was just an idiot, young, 
I know that I didn't, I passed along terrible jokes, whether it's name. And that was our culture too, a lot. It was what we talked about in the seventies and eighties is different 50 years later than what we talk about now. And so having said that, the, the overreaction is almost to me, certainly worse than the initial crime. I was going to say that. And it comes out that someone really was, oh my God, he held women captive and (laughs) killed them. It's terrible. And I don't think that there can be an overreaction. Yeah, to that. JD he did not do that. There. But the fact that people now, it's they so quickly go to murder and rape and arson are just as bad as I wrote a racy scene in a book. Yeah. I suggested that someone do this kind of advertising. It absolutely is not. No. And the people that lack that sense of proportion, they're being encouraged because of that baying hounds that join up with them someone has to say it can't be that bad well, you can't you bad. can't say it though <laughs> you can't step up and say anything because then you're also attacked you're also canceled that's our problem we don't respect anyone's thoughts and opinions unless it's attacking somebody and getting upset if i would go on there to defend christine wrote something about it because she knows him works with him on the podcast and i'm like you're a very brave woman because I imagine there's going to be a lot of people attacking you just because you defended him. They won't listen to what you said. And that's a problem. I think the book talker, like you said, is worse and more evil because did they try and get JD's side of it? Did they find out any more information? Did they discuss this? Any? No, it was the video is an attack is, oh, my God, this is so horrible. People get behind it. And have you people even read a book of his? Have you anything? And here's the other thing. If let's say he had 10 book talkers that he picked out that he sent this to because they do that type that they read the book in bathing suits or they do a shower (laughs) thing while reciting things. If that's how there are some out there like that, if that's that's what they do and they accept it, then it's why is it a problem? Yes. Somebody screwed up and sent it to the wrong people. He tried to apologize for it. Why don't we accept an apology anymore? I'll tell you what, the it has been around for a long time for, that uh, there really are people that are happy to say, first of all, a little crazy, all sex is rape, all sex is violence. So there was a couple books about that, and you know that's not true. But then I understand that we can't let that have the sex predators get off the hook because you know they said she seemed like she was okay with it. There, you have to find out the real facts of those situations. <laughs> I'm so glad and, you're mentioning this too. And, it's well, but and it's also what funny is it isn't only, if you will, the guy defending himself. There's been a couple female comedians that have been, I think, Michelle Wolf by one that have actually kind of like said, Well, what if you like getting choked a little? And like, that problem doesn't exist because it's black and white, everybody and nobody, that there really are people that make it easier or harder for people to get believed. Because I know that I've had women come on to me in a seductive and maybe even bad, naughty way, and I didn't do anything about it. But then I've also heard that there's, you know, if they wanted you and you didn't give in, then they accuse you of it anyway. Yeah. And the accusation, actually, I love you, Alan. something terrible like that is how do you ever get that stain off of you? Okay. Well, I guess the only way you can is. By being a good guy all the rest of the time. Maybe. Because you'd want all your friends to not only say he didn't do it, but to say there's no way he would have done that. There's no way that this is at all in line with everything else I know about him or her. It's not only guys. It's, of course, gals that get false accusations against them as well. And so there is something about reputation that matters and a whole life's work that matters. Maybe. And that has to be one of the automatic responses to the pack of hounds is that just doesn't sound true. You're, you're, you're blowing this out of proportion. That one thing can't be the most important, the only important thing about this situation. It just can't. And I think we talked about this before, maybe a year ago. At one point, I posted a joke on Facebook and it, it, some people didn't like it. And so I said, the joke is not about the woman getting uh harassed at the bar it's about how clumsy and what an idiot the guy doing it is so that she could easily shoot him down if she wants to 
And the bar <coughs> barman could <coughs> be asked to come to his rescue, to her rescue. And all the things that were real world about that situation. And yet some people, they didn't like it all that it made them feel bad because they could remember how they had been in a similar situation. And part of growing up is everybody has been in bad situations and that you don't hopefully let it be your trauma forever. You do time heals and more experiences let you know that it wasn't all like that. There's a ton of different ways in which that kind of happened. And flirting is not I want to rape you. There's, Maybe there's, it's cold outside. It's not a cancelable song. They were flirting. He is not rape culture. That, that right. And yet, for the times, it was only that. Now, nowadays, it really. And oh, what was the other? Um, uh, no, you won't. It that one. Oh. You never hear that on the radio anymore because that got a huge backlash. And so, uh, having mine not given in, having said, but here's all the ways in which it is kind of funny, and it isn't that you can't make jokes about certain things. They just have to be funny enough and have the right butt of the joke. They're not making fun of this woman who's feeling put out. They're making fun of the guy and how, way. And so, but I know I lost friends over that. Some people, like one person, of course, demanded an apology. And it was like, I don't really think I have anything to apologize for. Have you read the other hundred notes going on here? And then wouldn't give in. And so now I'm feeling bullied. Are you bullying me? Are you going to be the person that you demand something from me and are going to not going to stop harassing me about it? And so sometimes you try to do that little ha-ha of turn the tables a little bit of jujitsu over their adamance, their, their fanaticism about having to be in the right is very off-putting and not true. And when I lost some people as friends, I honestly, honest was like, I guess I didn't know them well enough. Well, it wasn't that they got to know me. I learned a lot about them that in a situation like that, they're ready to throw away five, 10, 20 years worth of friendship because they won't listen to my explanation. They won't listen to, here's all the ways in which maybe there's some more to think about here. If there's anything that they know about me, it's that I'm a thoughtful guy. I draw from all different kinds of experiences in life to try to keep getting to this and them giving me an absolute of, it's just not funny. So that's for you. If you're going to phrase things in an accurate way, then you should say, I really hate this cartoon, not this cartoon has to cease to exist. And they didn't Glass want to hear houses, any of that. Folks. Well. Glass so houses. I so much didn't need to take the focus away. No, no, Jay no. Really, another thing that seems to happen is time does heal. There's people that were really pilloried by the public, but then when you keep seeing that they have something to say and that what they say is of quality, intelligent, empathetic. Dan Rather had a difficult time on air when he was with What's the Frequency, Kenneth? And yet he's now a successful columnist or whatever you want to call a blogger. And what he says is very well-reasoned and very perceptive and very much he has a lot of command of the facts. And the fact that he's not a news anchor anymore doesn't mean that he still didn't have something to contribute to the world. And there's any number of cases that we could go into like that. So I hope that JD, like all of those people that are saying, stop carrying his books, that a real bookstore will say, we're not, because well, he has produced things of quality for 20 years or whatever else it might be. And maybe that one book, we, if that's, and is that book so bad that it wasn't the book? It wasn't bad. the book at it all. Was saying, this, I'm going to suggest this campaign to the people that already do these kinds of interesting, funny to me, racy things and context. And I would hope that it will just die down. And the reason I have confidence that it will is because, you know, that pack of hounds, they're always looking for the next scandal, the next thing that they can get outraged about. And they'll just stop paying attention because there's a new one over here. There's more than enough going on in this world. <laughs> well, he already lost his agent. His agent dropped them uh, the same oh, day boy. it all erupted, okay. and, which means he probably lost his publishing contract that he had. Uh, That's a huge penalty. Yeah. But you know what? There are agents and publishers nowadays that specialize in, I know you really got savaged about this, but I specialize in rebuilding things and, i specialize and, in handling the spin in case something weird like this happens and he's not to everybody it's more that guy who was hypersensitive other people will say oh we'll be happy to continue to have with, you be with all this talk me. about embracing diversity and understanding and that and he has stated 
publicly so many times that he has Asperger's, but nobody cared. Nobody cared to find out. The people attacking him probably don't even know that because they've never read his book. They've never listened to the podcast. They know nothing about him, but we're going to get him, quote unquote, canceled. And okay, I got <laughs> so <laughs> you said a couple things that I didn't know. I, I didn't even think you would say, but I was going to bring this next thing up that's related and you okay. said it and it so brings it right into it. So I'm going to say something that I've not shared with too many people or give, given details at least of this. So my first ex-wife, my first wife, when she left, she grabbed the kids, went to a woman's shelter and said, my husband, I'm protecting the kids. He was molesting me. He was molesting the kids. He would oh. physically abuse us, et cetera, et cetera. And they said, oh, we'll protect you. They got a court order, kept me from the kids for almost three weeks, told the kids that I was trying to hurt them and hunt for them. And they were protecting the kids for three weeks. The kids were told this, that I was evil and bad without any other context or in what my ex said. She wrote a sheet that got delivered to me by the sheriff and the sheriff even said, um, do we need to take you down and question you on this? I said, you know what? Let me call my lawyer. My lawyer called me right then and said, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me any of this? I said, because it's made up. It's untrue. I couldn't tell you about it because it never happened. She right. said I had been, she took a medicine that made her fall asleep. And she said that when that happened, I would rape her every night while she was sleeping. I had been sleeping on the couch for nine months. The door to the bedroom has a lock in it. She talked to her sister every single day and her sister never heard about any of this. She left to go to school at Akron three and four times a week alone by herself out of my, uh, you know, sphere of influence. Sure. Never once told anybody at the school, never once went to security, never once went to the police station to do a rape kit, never went to the, told anything to the doctor. She had two or three doctor appointments in that time. Never said anything until There's this moment no at the court. The court immediately though said, oh, you're not allowed to have the kids. Uh, we're going to, you're going to blah, blah, blah. They treated it as if it was true and real. And until we got into court and blew all the holes in it. And the judge said, this is all a falsified lie and we're not even going to consider it and asked her lawyer, do you want to contest that? He says, no judge, I don't want to contest that. But think what my life would have been like if they would have just kept listening to it. And when I got that paper, think, think what it was like just because they listened, you, know, that's yes. you didn't have access to your children. You already paid a huge penalty over something totally made up. Yes. And I don't know what penalty she paid for. The that's what I'm getting that. to. That's what I'm Perjury yes. of that. She signed so, her name on something that was total. Oh man. So I've dealt, and people don't understand this because of those issues in that divorce. It was eight years of battling, going to court every month or two. And I had to refile multiple times to take her to court. She wasn't doing anything she was supposed to and causing problems. They hardly ever listened to me or anything. But that particular issue, nothing ever came of it. There was no consequences to her. They just dismissed it. And I took it, but she kept telling people, oh, it's true. I took that paper. I was in Boy Scouts. I was in Girl Scouts. I was in martial arts. I was a softball baseball coach. I took that paper, got the committees, got the boards, got the leaders, took them all aside and said, okay, here's the situation. My ex-wife just said this. We've said in court that proved, you know, proved court. that it's made right. up, that she had any chance to get rid of this at all. Is there a single person here that wants to discuss this, that believes it, that thinks it's true, that has a problem with it? And I went flat out to all these people and said, anyone right now say it, because if nobody says anything right now, it will never be spoken of again. And I don't want to hear about it behind my back, no matter what. Nobody that I know and work with had a problem and believed it. But think how that could have been. I could have been in jail I could have never seen my kids. I could have had to quit all those activities because of her lie. And there was no consequences to her. So it goes back to this book talker. There's no consequences for her. And again, she doesn't know necessarily the whole story. Yeah. And this is why 
I had and still deal with sometimes the PTSD, why it's so hard for me to, even though I, you know, me and Gina were together and, and that we had issues, we had problems and some of it still was then, years later. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still with me. People have asked, oh, you go date again. I'm like, hell no, I can't handle that. I've got my own whatever on the spectrum in certain areas. And my brain cannot handle the thought of a relationship because I can't trust a relationship. How can, could I ever trust somebody? And I, that was part of the problem with me and Gina. And I admit that, but I, what do I do about it? Nothing. And it was because, and okay. So here's the thing that <laughs> even to add to that. So she was going to school this whole time, told the judge she was at school. I have an email that she sent to one of her lovers talking about their sex they had the night before while she was supposed to be at school and Absolutely. I was watching the kids. It's dated. It's explicit. The judge didn't want to see or care. Her church didn't want to see or care and they helped pay for her lawyer. They paid for her food. They paid for her rent. Her sister didn't want to see and care. Nobody wanted to see and care this it's 100 proof she completely lied and she was cheating on me it didn't matter at all but i was still in more trouble by her lies and that's why this whole book talk thing jd may have been completely wrong and i may completely disagree with doing that i, I do middle grade books i don't think i'm ever going to ask anybody to be nude while they advertise my middle right grade book. exactly it just exactly. doesn't work but i may not agree with any of that but i truly think all these people are way more wrong than he was. So there you go. <laughs> I, honestly, a worthwhile rant. Uh, it's kind of funny. And we, I, I often say, so to relate that to relentless geekery, there really are people that they don't, uh, I think I'm pretty empathic and I really do pay attention to people and so forth. But I know that I'm, for instance, not great at maintaining friendships with everyone at whatever level is appropriate based on time and distance and et cetera. And so maybe that's a little bit of how I'm on the spectrum that I do get interested in things, really focus on them because that is one of my superpowers is that focus that you can bring to something to make breakthroughs. And luckily most people, I kind of can be in my office or at the water cooler and they give me time to do both. But in a relationship, I know that I had discussions with past people and still with Colleen about how I am, why I am, how I am. <laughs> and that am sometimes <laughs> the explanation, the truth, they just don't like it. They just don't want to believe it or like it. Or, and sometimes it was a little bit of perhaps narcissism on their part that, but even that I wasn't enough to break through that. And I didn't really see it as contention. I just thought it was. You know, the healthy relationship books say that each person needs their space. And so when I go and do this thing, when I want to go play poker with the boys, it isn't at your expense. It isn't that I don't love you anymore. That overreaction in a small way, I still had to contend with, even though they were 80% pretty decent, rational people. They weren't really. But I also know that when things go bad, People do terrible things. They will have advice from their friends about, oh, this is your chance to get him. You know what I mean? And like, sadly, for she who must not be named and those particular friends. I that's wish... funny when you started to say that, because that's exactly how I refer to my exes. And you said it and I, the first time and I had to laugh. <laughs> it just was a little bit, not only enlightening about her, but about, wow, I kind of thought that they were both of our friends, but I guess not. And so then you just kind of and move on. I don't have revenge about, I don't care. I don't, you know, my, here's my ego talking. You know, it's one of the worst things that can happen to them is that they don't have me in their life anymore. I am a pretty fun, decent, generous, interesting. I'm, a, I'm an addition to most situations all the time. And to have them not have me in their life for the rest of their life, I guess they made their choice. They don't get to have my generosity and my happiness and whatever else it might be. And so I've been sad about losing some people that I had misread in that way. But wow, they made their choice. I'm going to go try to convince them otherwise. You know what I mean? It's, it's a sad situation to be in. I think that Colleen really understands me well without having to understand all of me, that she makes room for 
Not sure why he does that. And yet it's okay. He's not hurting anybody doing that. He's not hurting me because she wants some alone time too. They often talk about, though, it isn't finding someone who's a perfect match. It's finding the person that can negotiate where there isn't a match or just be okay about it, that there's no expectation of. You have to be in lockstep all the time. I think the expectation is the biggest killer sometimes. And understanding what, you know, yeah, everybody tries to say it's what the other person needs. But here's here's the unfortunate thing. If you know anyone that's really strong on the spectrum, way on the autistic side, many factors on that. There's certain traits and things, you know, that type of person, it's very difficult to have a relationship because like my father is all in the bubble. If he hadn't met my mother, he probably would never got married. She's, you know, he did everything he always wanted And that. There's problems with that. And it's got its own set of, this is not a good thing and all that. And she's kind of got that now she's lived with that for so long now that he's gone she doesn't know what to do with her life she doesn't know how to be herself she doesn't know how to do things on her own and me and colin have been noticing this more and more she freaks out about some of the littlest things it's it's a major disaster of the day if we're not going to be home for supper it's like it's not that big a deal but what are you going to have it's and wow chill (laughs) i guess there's a like many cultures have the saying for every pot has a lid that it isn't a matter of whether these things are right and wrong of themselves. It's what everybody is looking for in their relationship. I know I've heard, I really love stand-up comics. And I think that one of the things they do is tell a lot of truth. I'll hear more truth in an hour of their act than I will hear in a whole week of supposed news. One of the things that multiple stand-up comics have said, both male and female is they don't mind having a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a husband That's on the spectrum, because one of the things that people often do on the spectrum is they just tell the truth. There's no nuance. There's no, I'm going to pick amongst the available explanations. They just say what's on their mind often. And some people, they can't handle that bluntness because it can be hurtful. But to other people, if they've had game playing all their life up until then, if they've had a whole bunch of snakes in their lives, they just love the fact that when their husband or wife says something, it's real. That's really how they think and feel. And that's so you have to find someone that I'll take the occasional ding of if I ask you how I look and you tell me and it isn't always flattering. I'd rather that than are you having an affair? And then the lies start. Yeah. And if you're going to be on the road for three months straight with only getting home one or two times, somebody with autism probably loves that because they don't. It is very difficult. The higher you are on the spectrum, it becomes much more difficult to people, to adult. It becomes draining. I'm very INTJ. And there are times, even RGs, I love going to RGs. I love seeing people. I love spending time with people. But a lot of times at the end of the weekend, I am so drained. I don't even want to talk to people. I don't want anyone around me for a couple of days because it is difficult to do that. And I know some people even higher on the spectrum than me, a lot of people, much more autistic in that bubble that to do a whole weekend RG with so many people and converse and interact would make their brain explode. They just can't handle that. So having somebody on the road that you only see one or two days a month, it might be a perfect situation for some people. Exactly. We've talked about this. I share that thing too. I have a great time at the Mensa regional gatherings and my comic book conventions. And I really am just I love talking to people and hearing all their things, all of it. But then when I get home, I'm my, a lot of my energy is used up. A lot of my brain juice that goes into really listening to conversations and really being interactive and being witty and being friendly. It I don't mislike it. I love it. And yet it uses energy from me. And when I get home, oftentimes those are the days I think I'm going to listen to my own music and work on spreadsheets of what magazine subscriptions I have and all those things that are like, very, I don't know, detail oriented, and I can fall into them and get check it off. Done. And yeah, but, it done. but that's I'm maybe not that much. I'll say a nice thing yeah. on Facebook. Hey, that was a great gathering. Great seeing everybody again. And then I kind of go away for a day because I am not the usual commenting on, oh, I like that album too, or whatever else. And it doesn't mean you care any less for Colleen or anything like that. That's exactly it, right. And I so I think 
you, you were just saying something. I think we should change the term stand-up comic because it's not inclusive. What What's a person in a wheelchair? They're not allowed to be a stand-up comic because they're in a wheelchair? Chris Fonseca, various others, exactly. I, I, it's, that, it, obviously, that's a descriptor instead of an absolute. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, there you it's go. The image of what they're doing. I always think, like, isn't that one of the bravest things? Knowing that public speaking is what's like people's top 10 things, sometimes worse than death, someone that's willing to go up there with a stand and a microphone and be that for 10,000 people, 200 people for that matter, it really is an act of incredible bravery. And I don't know, I most people can't do it. They can't. You it's know what I mean? <laughs> so funny you mentioned that because one of the things I didn't realize about myself or others and blah, 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 and I started to realize this through the past year, couple of years, I, it is much more difficult and scary and very hard for me to do is to sit down at a table with 10 people. I only partially know and converse with them. If we're playing a game, I can do that because the focus is on the game, but when the focus is on human interaction and it's people, I don't know that well, it's a small group. Even sometimes people I know it gets hard, but you know what? If you said, hey, you know this topic, we've got 10,000 people. What Can you go talk on it? Yeah, sure. No problem. I'll do that. That doesn't scare me. And I have no problem with that at all. But you tell me, hey, we got five people. You want to sit down and talk to them? No, not really. <laughs> That's just, I've yeah. come to realize that about myself. And why? That's the important thing. It, it, before, yeah. I always thought, what is wrong with you? Why are you this? Blah, blah, blah. Now I understand it a little better. And now it's easier for me to deal with it. I'm actually good with both of those things. I mean, and I really do sitting down with a whole bunch of people that I don't know and just listening and asking questions and throwing the occasional bon mot out there. You know what I mean? A little bit of wit. And just, I really like that. And I really, it's very heartening. Then when you see somebody, I don't know, a year later sometimes, and because I have a really good memory to be able to say, aren't you the guy that really Sherlock Holmes or whatever else it might be? And just see their face light up, that we had made a connection, that there had been some penetration, that it wasn't just kind of ships drifting past each other. So, but even then, I know that that's one of those things that does take energy from me. And that occasionally it's, okay, I've done a whole bunch of socializing. I think I'm going to go do a jigsaw puzzle. You know what I mean? Where people right. are mostly quiet and the people that are there are jigsaw puzzle people. And so and if anything, if you try to have a conversation, you can tell that's not why they're there either. They really just want to kind of play with shapes and stuff like that. I, um, I, I actually, just, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, just a quick thing. Solar eclipse coming. Yes. We're having an event here in Cleveland that we're going to have people get together over at, out at our cool farm in Norwalk, but couldn't put together a big event because hotel prices went ridiculous and et cetera. But somebody down in Cincinnati, Mary Lee, has a really good relationship with a particular double tree down there that she was able to find for that weekend, hotel rooms at a reasonable price. So we're driving down to do two days, Saturday and Sunday, and then coming back up here and doing the Monday thing. And I thought it was going to be like, let's get together and play games. And she said, we're going to have a couple of speakers. Would you like to speak? And what you just said, you know what? So what's going on? Solar eclipse. I could talk about all the comic book characters that are solar powered or that are moon based nice. or that there's even a villain called Eclipso that I'd be able to tell you all about his career. There was a whole summer of annuals, as I recall, from DC, where it was all of heroes being turned to the dark side, if you will, huh, and stuff like that. So it's just, it's so... I like doing that. I, I like so sharing this. I love this. I have this passion for this. And I love being able to say, oh, kind of folks aren't just Richie Rich. Here's all the cool ways in which they've talked about what's the difference between a red and a yellow sun. And why would that matter to Superman versus Mon-El? You know what I mean? That, or, yeah, kind of, I, I, just, I already am like immediately upon saying yes, I started taking notes as to, I want to mention Moon Dragon. I want to mention Moon Knight. All that kind of stuff. Nice. It's a silly thing, but it gives me satisfaction and most of the people that come to my talks i've heard a number of times i really don't care what he's talking about i want to hear him talk he's a really good speaker the thing you said about i love having that feeling in the room of everybody there is my friend many medicines know me and if they don't they're not uh, only once in a while and we've laughed about this have i had the jerk only who heckled oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff and you're very and, good and at handling that I, you are <laughs> thank you i've i've only had to learn that maybe back in debate when I knew it was going to be antagonistic and it still shocks me a little bit to have that happen. But when you know that 80% of the people in the room are your friends, it isn't, Hey, everybody, let's get them. It's more like you can count on being a little witty and teasy, but not letting him take over the talk because they're there to be with me, to be all of us together. 
You know what I mean? So that's a lot of what emboldens me to handle hecklers well is, am I going to let this spoil this, this thing for everyone? No, I'm I'm the one in charge. I'm not letting him spoil it. Let's do that. <laughs> and people are here to hear you talk, not somebody trying to derail the whole thing and argue exactly it's what's going on about that let's get back to this stuff because i have a lot of material to get through you know what i mean and then they keep interrupting it's all right everybody what do you think yeah (laughs) i have a lot of material to get through you know what i mean and most of the time people will say yes maybe you should relax with whatever particular issue you can't get out of your craw there mr sir and And it's been a guy and and a gal different times you know what i mean i've had both so that's actually (laughs) another trait someone who's high on the spectrum in some way somewhere and that's another thing is that this is my thought it's right. the only one right and, and you're wrong to... and i have got to tell it's not always just a hole it's sometimes that they honestly just can't think about anything else and that's a problem yeah i get it yeah so. but maybe a little bit what we just talked about the people that are crusaders like that i know that i've heard important talks interrupted by someone saying do you think that they recycle here at this conference and it's, so that's your single issue. You know what I mean? We know that the world is filled with single issue candidates. You know what I mean? That it doesn't matter anything about economy, ecology, education. It matters how, what their stand is on abortion. And for some people, it doesn't matter anything except that either. And so that's a spectrum type thing, really, of right. all the world. That's the only thing that matters. It's not. The world is a big, wonderful, complex, messy place. And for you to try to narrow it down to one clear black and white dividing line, I've just learned so much about you that you're incapable of handling the complexity of the world. And you can't be trusted to make judgments in that regard. You know what I mean? You're not the one that should be deciding what's taught in schools or where we spend our money. Or you're not. You're not that person. Someone has to have a much wider, broader look at the world to say all these things matter. They all matter in different degrees. Not only your thing. No matter how loud you yell, no matter how many other yes. people you say. <laughs> All right. So before we go, because we ran longer than I thought we were going to on some of that. So sorry. Um, so there are so many good concerts coming. Oh my God. <laughs> so so here's the ones that I am not got tickets yet. Okay. Hootie and the Blowfish are coming. And the, the I see them. That'd be great. Okay. And Train with Ario Speedwagon is coming. And Train's the headliner? Yes. Oh, oh. Anyway. oh I don't, okay. They're more modern. Uh, they've been relevant. You. That recently. is a good double bill. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Wasn't there one with, please go on. You probably have all. Oh, no, pictures. no. Uh, no, but another, there was a couple of double or triple bills where it was like sticks and cheap trick or foreigner and cheap trick. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe even three che- bills. Cheap oh. trick, heart, Steve Miller band opening for Def Leppard and a journey that's a great day of music right there that's i'm sorry if i haven't already gotten tickets because i don't want to see that from the lawn i really want to see it but it might oh, be that, that one's at progressive oh okay so it's a stadium okay very yeah. good i depending on day and day do have some travel plan and stuff like that but absolutely i'd want to see that that's back that's harkening back to the old in chicago they called the world series of rock or the super bowl of yeah. rock where they'd have five bands on the bill and you'd work your way through Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and Foghat, and Santana. It's, wow, that's a lot of great music. And Steve Miller. and that- Colin oh, already right. said, we're mm-hmm. taking the day off. We're showing up in the morning. We'll sit around all day just so we're not in a big line or whatever. Exactly that. My biggest mistake for some of those was I didn't know about sunscreen enough. And I was baking on the AstroTurf at Soldier Field in Chicago. Honestly, I one of those things were, if we talked about this, I took my shoes off. And I couldn't relace my shoes because the tops of my feet were sunburned and it hurt like the devil. And so I have some tough memories of how stupid I was when I was young that set the stage for the melanoma that I had to fight off 15 years ago because I know I was stupid. I'm just so stupid. (laughs) So speaking of this weekend, Mm -hmm. I am going to Northfield Park to see Stream with Living Color opening for them. I think I mentioned, I drove to Detroit to see them when they first announced that tour. And so I'm just going to look at my calendar real quick, because if I have anything going on, is it Saturday or Friday night? It's Saturday night. And I'll tell you, I was going to tell you, I didn't know what you were doing that day because I could drive up earlier. I still got to get you your Christmas presents. We can meet up (laughs) at at the library or somewhere to give you your presents. Uh, We'll have another lunch. We'll have a quarterly lunch or something something. like that. (laughs) 
I am, unfortunately, Colleen's family has a brother and sister dinner that exact night, so I really can't join you. But I will say this. Oh, man, you're going to love this show. Oh, I can't wait. They really, they're both in fine form. They haven't lost a step. That Corey Glover and the main people from each of the bands, Living Color, it's not only Cult of Personality, which is one of the best rock songs that's in your neighborhood. They have half a dozen hits that I was happy to hear every one of them. And then Extreme are amazing. Again, both, yeah. it's the whole band, but the vocalist and the guitarist, uh, Nuno Betancourt, really up there to, in my mind with every great guitarist you can name with, uh, Eddie Van Halen with Steve Howe. He's just amazing yep. and has is having such a great time playing. He's just so happy to whatever. They went to the wilderness for a while and then they've made a big comeback. And I just hope you have a great time. I, I, I'm sure I will. I'm going with my buddy Jay and Colin's coming. So great thing. And yeah, uh, and Time's Up are such great albums from Living exactly Color. Exactly that. And Extreme. I actually have grown to like their newest album as my favorite of all their albums. It really is a great one. I really like Pornography, I must admit. That's, it, got, that's a perfect album. There's not a bad cut on there at all. Yeah. And it has not only the crazy hard rock, but they really became known for a couple MTV things that were like soft rock, wholehearted and stuff yeah. like that. So they really are capable of that. But man, when they jam, I just, we I one of the topics that we didn't get to, but that I mentioned is what are some of the great openings ever for a rock song and sometimes it's a wonderful build like alaska from uk or something like that man when you get to hear cult of personality and the first thing is it's like everybody in the whole audience is immediately on their feet and <laughs> moving yeah i just i oh man oh i wonder if i can call in sick to the other dinner I need to go. Did to you just show. see them at Christmas and Thanksgiving? No, it's a little too soon. You don't want to, you know, what's that thing about fish? That's <laughs> what I need to do is make an excuse to Colleen. She'll make excuses for me. And then once they're already over at the place, sneak out and drive over. Oh, it's exactly. Where, where's Alan? Oh, he had to run to the store to get some milk. He'll be back in three hours. <laughs> you know, what's funny. I hardly ever go see the same show twice because I really, I get so much out of a show. And, but I remember I saw Peter Gabriel two nights in a row from Champaign-Urbana. I drove to normal Bloomington and then I drove to Chicago because he was like right during that, um, let's see, the rhythm of the heat and shock the monkey. There's a great album. That, oh, that, uh, anyway, that only certain bands have gotten to where I was like a little bit of a cult follower for a while. And I saw as many shows as I could see in the area. You know what I mean? He gave me the review next Tuesday. I hope you love it because I was so happy. I'm sure. I will. Oh, <laughs> and then next week, Bob Marley movie comes out. So I'm That'll excited. Be good too. Exactly. We Colleen have all kinds of, like, let it get cold. We got all kinds of great movies. We just looked at all the Oscar nominees and it was like, we've already seen four of them. We'll see in the next 10. We just, we watched the killers of the flower moon and had to do it in two segments. It's a long movie, three hours and 20. Yeah. And just, we were done for the night and it, it's complex enough that you don't want to start missing things because you're kind of bleary. So it, all kinds of other, we saw four things as you Looking forward to the Oscar shorts, which comes out in February and looking forward to the Banff Mountain Film Festival, which usually is April. We already got, we got a whole bunch of stuff that every year we enjoy it and actively look for it. You know what I mean? It's going to be a great year. So nice. great. Okay. All right. Good. Take care. Have. Thanks. David. This has been the relentless geekery podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.